This is episode 48 of the Landscape Photography Show, and in this episode, we're going to be talking with photographer and scientist Manuel Palacios, and I got the, the chance to talk to Manuel just before he was hitting the road out to Acadia National Park, and he was geared up to hopefully capture some amazing images in one of his favorite locations, but we also talked a lot about how his background in science directly relates to how he connects with the landscape and outdoor photography. We also talk about new expeditions for him in terms of camera techniques in ICM or intentional camera movement. You're going to get a lot of tips from this on how to be more creative, on some tips on how to expand your view of compositions when you do get to a landscape and keep your tripod in the bag when you first get to a location. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here with Manuel Palacios. Manuel and I have been friends for several years now. We haven't caught up in quite a while other than the random Instagram DM that we send back and forth. But I know Manuel's story in photography because he shared it with me on my previous podcast that I had called Photography Roundtable. Manuel, for those who don't know, though, why don't you give us like a... Uh, 30,000 foot bird's eye view of you and, and your journey in photography. Awesome. Hey, thank you for having me over again, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talking to you. <laughs> for sure. So my name is Manuel Palacios. Uh, I am originally from Venezuela. I, I am currently living in the Mohawk River. In the Mohawk River, no, I'm in the Mohawk Valley. <laughs> And that, that is basically the what is called also the capital region of New York. Um, my story is I, I, I am a scientist. I am originally from, as I said, Venezuela. Uh, I came to the United States to uh, my PhD in chemistry. And then, I mean, I, that, that was in Ohio. Then I moved to Boston to, uh, to, to a postdoc and keep studying because that's what I apparently love to do. <laughs> and at some point I got a job with uh, General Electric G at their research facility in Niskayuna, New York. I'm currently living basically at two blocks away from there. Um, even though I don't work there anymore, I haven't worked there for, uh, for the past three years or so. So that's what brought me here to upstate New York. Um, and after living in the area for about three years, um, I took a hike in the Adirondacks. I have heard of the Adirondacks, you know, talking to my colleagues and stuff, but it was something that, I mean, at the moment, I, it wasn't priority. You know, you're starting a new job and all you want to do is, you know, work and stuff like that. So I took my first uh, hike in the Adirondacks and I was hooked. It was actually in Lake George. And there was no looking back. It was good timing too. By the time I I, I was um, kind of picking up landscape photography, um, I, all I was doing was I pick up my first DSLR like a lot of people uh, trying to photograph my my daughter. So mm -hmm. that she's ten years old now. 
Um, so by the time that she was like around four, she started pushing back. She was like, you know, daddy, don't, don't point the camera at me anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I always tell the story that, you know, I needed to look for a subject that wouldn't talk back and, <laughs> and landscape works. So, so it was good timing. It was, uh, it was good timing that, you know, I, I discovered the Adirondacks. Uh, I was looking for, you know, a new subject and I, as, as I was I mean, one of the things that happened was I started taking those uh, landscape photos and I realized that there was something uh, that I was missing, right? Um, I would look at the photo. I mean, I remember being there. And I was like, why I am not, when I'm looking at this photo, why I'm not feeling what I felt, you know, when I was in that ledge or when, when I was at that summit. So I, you know, that, that that's basically how I started to, to uh, learn a little bit more of, you know, how to connect if you might, you know, how to try to to bring uh, your side of the story to to the image, and because I mean that uh, we all shoot raw, and usually, you know, uh, even if it's not raw, what you're getting from the camera is a baked uh, JPEG. Then you know, it's uh, as as much as people like to argue at the end, it's just a filter, right? That the camera is applying to the to, to the photo that you are making. Mm-hmm. Um, so by, by that time, I I discovered the, the, the work of John Seeker and Adam Woodworth in the, in the Northeast. You know, I mean, they, they were uh, big names at the moment in, in astrophotography. And I, I started talking to John. And that, I mean, one thing led to the other at the end. I mean, I, I was also... The, the work that I was doing in the lab was some image analysis, and I was—I mean, I saw astrophotography as a technical challenge. So that's how I started really in to get really into landscape photography uh, was through astrophotography. I—I I mean, that is not the only thing that I do, uh, but it was the biggest motivator for me to go out and shoot at least at the beginning. So that—that's that, how it all started, I guess. <laughs> Since the time we, we previously spoke in a podcast format, how have you changed as a photographer? So I think the last time that, that, that we talked, I was coming back from our, our first trip to Ireland. Um, mm-hmm. That was uh, 2017, 16? Yeah, it's 16, actually. Uh-huh. I, I think 16 or 17, but somewhere around that. <laughs> but I do remember because we were talking about the, the, the trip to Ireland. So I will say that that um, the, the, the I feel that the biggest thing that have changed for me, uh, besides, you know, I mean, not even talking about subject is, um, I, I guess what I want to bring into photography. I mean, photography has um, one thing that that is really funny. Technically speaking, one thing that has changed is that I am seeing that I am shooting less and less with a wide angle and more and more with a telephoto. Hmm. Uh, um, And I feel that that is also um, coming from, in a way, from a philosophical perspective that I can can see myself um, looking for smaller smaller scene no because the sake of smaller scene is because smaller scenes are first that they are more challenging to compose and it is also more challenging to tell a, a story with smaller scenes right so i think that it 
I, I guess I've been trying to get better at them and explore that. I mean, one thing that I'm, it, I guess part of the, the, the story goes to that, that, you know, I mean, at some point in the past couple of years, I, I got a 200 to 500 telephoto. And I mean, I, you cannot believe how much I shoot with, with the, I call it the bazooka. And I, <laughs> because it's humongous, and you know it's not the best lens to hike with, so because it's also pretty heavy. Right. But I, but I, I do use it a lot, and I think it's part of, you know, that change. And I, I mean, again, I, mean, I am, you know, I, I love a big vista as much as the next person, but I think that that um, to, when just when at least I, well, I don't want to generalize because that's been my journey is I am trying to, as I am trying to look for my, my voice, I am realizing that I, I am looking for smaller and smaller compositions, even when I am in places where the typical shot is a big vista and I am coming back to the place and I am coming with a telephoto. Um, I don't want to say, I mean, it, it doesn't have, I mean, this is, me analyzing my photography, right? It doesn't happen. It happens organically. I mean, I've been mm-hmm. noticing that that's what's going on, but it's not like I am, you know, planning to go tomorrow to climb Mount Marcy, that is the tallest peak in in, in, in New York. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to bring the telephoto because that's what I want to shoot. No, it's just that it happens that I am there. I shoot the big vista and then I'm like, why don't I spend more time with the telephoto? On the <laughs> So, so well, that's what, what I guess what's been going on. Yeah. Are you happier with your telephoto shots? Um, wow. That's that band. That's a loaded question. Come on. It's You know, that's my job. That's my job, man. That's awesome. It's a roller coaster. So, so I mean, because I mean, of, of course it's, uh, I, as, as I said, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to shoot um, smaller mm-hmm. scenes. And it's harder to, um, I guess, for me, the most important thing is that the scene has to make me feel something. And I I try to have that conversation with the scene. I try to see what the scene is bringing. Um, I of, often say, I, I want to see what the scene's trying to tell me. But I mean, the scene is no obligation to tell me anything. It's, of course, it's always my interpretation of the scene. Um, but I'm trying to see what I am getting from the scene, and I'm trying it's a balance between that and what I am trying to bring. I mean, the story that I want to tell, right? And that will guide my composition. So it is kind of hit or miss because, I mean, of course, I am learning how to do this, uh, to, to compose these, uh, I guess, small, smaller scene shots. And, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, failure, I guess. But, I mean, I am happy when, when I get a good one, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> You write a lot on your about me page of your website. And honestly, I think it's very eloquently and like beautifully written in terms of how to describe a landscape. And and I just want to run through like a couple of the quotes you say and get a deeper understanding of it. it is the first one you write for me, landscape photography is not just a means for documenting moments, but instead a way to feel and artistically interpret landscapes. First, how did you learn to do that through time and through experiences? And then second, 
what exactly when you step up to a scene, what in exactly is, is the workflow that you go through internally to actually interpret something? That's, that's, that is really a, a great question with not an easy answer. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think that, that I mean, by the way, thank you so much. I mean, I, I'm glad that at least somebody's reading that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that, that, um, you, you know, I mean, I, I already talked a little bit about that conversation that, that I like to have with the landscape and, and you need that connection. I honestly feel that, that the, I, at least from, I, and again, I'm always talking about my own experience because it's, these things are so personal that it's so hard to generalize, right? Uh, but I, I feel from my perspective, it is always what you are bringing to the scene, what you are bringing with you and, and the camera. It's, it's not about, you know, it is not about focal length. It is not about uh, how you're going to expose or exposing correctly. It's not about that. It's about uh, all the experience, all you are, all you have read, all you, all the images that you have seen, all that makes your vision, all that makes you as a photographer or a, as an artist. And that's what I want to bring. And when when I sit down in a ledge, I mean, I always talk about ledges because I mean, usually that those are like the in my mind uh, uh, when I am sitting down in a ledge in, in the Adirondacks in, in in a summit, I am just like in my ha- in the happiest place I can be. So that that's why I always go there. Mm-hmm. Um, when I am sitting there, what I'm trying to 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 see is what are the elements. I I do these things that I call studies. Uh, that are like personal projects where I show up to the same location um, a few times, you know, I'm, I mean, and when I say a few times, sometimes, you know, I, I, I will say that something's a story after I show up for four, about four times, but I mean, I have shown up, show up in some places like 15 times, 20 times. Um, some of them is because the EDCC access, and I know that the light um, interacts differently. Well, I mean, you can say that about any landscape through the seasons. So you mm-hmm. want to see, I, basically what I'm trying to do, that's why I call it studies. I am trying to understand um, how the light interacts with the landscape um, and, you know, how it changes through the seasons. And sometimes, you know, I mean, you sit there, you know that you've been there many times and sometimes the photo that at some point you envision comes to fruition right there in front of you and you know you feel all that excitement that you know I mean I've been waiting for the old, all, all this time but there are all those other times like we were talking at some uh, before about fog right there are other times where you are just sitting there and you see the fog evolving and you see that picture that you have never seen but you know that that's the one that you want you know what I mean mm-hmm. like you feel that you know adrenaline rush that you are like excited and putting the the tripod out um, I do have to say that you know to explore that connection uh, with the landscape. Sometimes when I go out in, into these studies, uh, for example, I don't shoot. I just, I mean, sometimes I don't see a photo and I don't, just don't take the camera out. And and that's why it's so important that you know that, that you can go and explore your backyard. Um, and I mean, the proverbial backyard, I mean, the, the I live uh, from uh, 30 minutes away from the southern uh, border of, of the Adirondacks, 
but I'm usually driving about two hours to get to the places that I want in, mm-hmm. in the park. That's where I shoot um, mostly. Um, and I do travel a lot, you know, I mean, I, I, like a couple of years ago, we were talking about Ireland. Uh, I mean, I, I have gone to Iceland, and I, you know, I travel also locally. You know, Vermont, Acadia, and those places are great. And what they do for me uh, as a photographer is, I, I always feel that I press the reset button. You know, you just you have to reassess things when you go to a new place right because i mean sometimes you have never been there you are not as familiar with the landscape and more when you're going to a new place you know that if you're going i don't know i have never been to norway for example i i will guess i i, I don't even know what i will i will shoot there i have seen so many compositions and stuff and i don't want that so mm-hmm. i wouldn't know what to do with that landscape until i am there because i mean you have to be there you have to you, you i mean i have never been there so i don't know how i'm going to feel the place or whatever but i think that's the most important thing that when when you when you have a relationship with the landscape that you're trying to shoot it comes through i mean you can see it coming through your images and and that's why i mean i'm that's why I apologize to begin with, you know, that, that I knew what there was going to be a, an easy answer to your question, but it was, it, it's just a very good question. So, it, and, and, and I don't have a formula. I, I, I am a scientist and when I do art, I am avoid formulation. I am trying, it, very rarely, the only thing that I do that I recommend to everybody, I, it's not a formula, it's a tip, is that um, I call the tripod my frenemy. Because I love the tripod because it slows me down, and that for me is important because I, I know I tend to be um, a little bit, you know, trigger happy. Uh, so I, I like the tripod because it slows me down. But the problem with the tripod is sometimes if I take it out too soon, I settle for a composition way too quick, and I know that I haven't, you know, gone around enough to in in whatever I am in the location that I am at the moment. So I, I do like to not take the tripod out right away. Uh, I, I try to, that that's kind of one of, I will say probably the one thing that I try to do um, that I can think of right now, David. <laughs> that's the only thing that, I'm, that, that, that I try to do. I try to not take the tripod out take all that is in front of me in, you know, try to feel the place um, so I can kind of bring that connection uh, later. I'm going to add that to my workflow in the field because like that, honestly, like you said, that's the first thing I do through that, whatever lens may be attached first to your camera, you know, that may be the first type of composition that you gravitate to. Mm-hmm. Was that formed out of what you perceived as missed opportunities in the landscape? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, uh, I have many times have happened to me that I settle for a composition and, you know, I, I am patient in that way that, that, that I can, I can, you know, come and scout a place an hour before the light that I want or I'm looking for it. Um, so, or sometimes you know sunset or sunrise, and I can I can see there because that's the composition, and at the I'm, it doesn't happen to me that often anymore. But it, it is true at the beginning, I will settle for one composition and then I will move. Mostly it happens in sunrise, right? Because you are in the dark. Mm-hmm. So then I will move a little bit to the right, and I was like, this was the composition, uh, and I realized that that 
um, you know, I can be be biased. And the other thing is that I don't know if it happens to you, but this is something that happens to me. Once I settle the tripod, I realize I don't really move it that much. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the kind of stuff that I want to avoid. So and so I, I guess that that's the that's my relationship with my frenemy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've noticed that I will move the ball head, but I will not move the legs. I will not move height of perspective. You know, I think that's my block on how you put it as the frenemy. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and and that's exactly right. That's why, and that's why I try to you know not take it out until I really need to, because it it does happen to me. You know, once I once I open those legs, it it does take a little bit of a of a, of an extra mental effort to say, well, now let me move few inches to the right, because it's. I mean, I I don't know if that happens to you too, but for me. Most of the time, I am not off in the composition by 10 feet or by mm-hmm. 3 feet. I'm usually off in the composition by inches. I realize, mm-hmm. like, oh, if I just took the photo 5 inches lower, then these flowers will look better or whatever. I didn't have to 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 tilt the, the camera. And now I, you know, I have to deal with the distortion and all that stuff. So, so yeah, that's... I I I, th- I th- that that's one tip that re- that usually helps me. The the downside of that is it becomes more annoying for anyone who comes with you because now you're spending longer looking at a rock or something and they're like what is this guy doing? <laughs> yes. That is true and that's one thing that I've been learning um in time even even with my family. Um I, I, I'm, I'm, and this can be, you know, another big topic to talk about, but, but I mean, you know, well, I realized at some point that it is really hard to go on a hike uh, for family time and try to shoot at the same time. So now I try to keep them in a way separate. I, I always bring the camera, but, but if I am going for photos, I'm going for photos and, and, you know, I mean, I, the family has the option to tag along or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. For you, like when you are going on family, cause this is a big thing for me too. When you're going on family vacation, you know, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel a little bit of guilt that I may not be spending the amount of time with them on vacation since it's their time off too. And, you know, you really want to form these memories around vacations I try to only do sunrise shoots when I'm on vacation just because nobody else wants to get up that early anyways. And by the time I get back, you know, they're barely out of bed drinking coffee. Yeah, no, that, that's, that, that's a good strategy. Uh, One thing that I have done is that uh, we try to have at least uh, a couple of trips a year one is for photography and and my wife loves them you know but i mean but she knows that it's not the trip where we're gonna rest because mm-hmm. we are waking up for sunrise we are waking up for we are going late late to bed uh, after after sunset or sometimes we are shooting astro too so i try to keep those separate but i do exactly the same thing if we are in in a family trip and I realized like, oh, tomorrow, you know, it's going to be clear and I'm going to get the perfect, um, um, I don't know, astrophoto. Then I try to do it in the morning 
try to mm -hmm. do it early so so by the time i'm back you know everybody's awake let's talk about this which you had on your about me page too this is probably my favorite thing i read on your website you write like gravity landscapes have a tendency to ground us and to show us like our place in the universe. And it really reminded me of a few weeks back, we had Candace Dyer on and she talked about grounding techniques in nature and how it can have the tendency to reduce anxiety and, and just get us back in our element. And when I say we and our, I'm talking about landscape photographers and people who love the outdoors. What, in your sense of the meaning of, of grounding, do you relate back to your personal experience? Well, I mean, I think I think um, what what I'm bringing to the table. I mean, I guess what I'm bringing to to my photography table, I will mm -hmm. call it, <laughs> um, is the same way that I feel about the universe uh, as a whole, as a scientist, right? I mean, mm -hmm. um, the the, the there is this um, that dichotomy, right? That we live in the in the universe, and it is very easy to feel the center of it because I mean that's how we perceive the world and the universe, mm -hmm. and the fact that uh, the universe just exists, right? And 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 we have, and it's in obligation to make sense to us, or it's in no obligation to look. Be beautiful for us or anything like that so um some it is good sometimes to just l look around you know and and that's what those outings in nature give you it gives you your place in the universe you, you realize how small you are and and in in a way um how i mean i guess I don't want to say how unimportant, but in reality, that's it. We're just a speck, you know, of, mm -hmm. of we, we are just uh, um, a biological species living in a speck of dust in a universe that is humongous. And sometimes, you know, we get ahead of ourselves and, and, and we feel like we are, you know, in control. And that is just an illusion, you know, um, that, that is an illusion that we, we need to embrace to, to, be able to leave, right? Because I mean, if we feel like that everything around us is chaos and we have no control, um, then it's just we are just going to live with anxiety all the time. So I think that that's the, the the beauty of it is that even though that's the case, I think that we just have to embrace the chaos and you know just just realize where we are. <laughs> and I, I I just feel like you know that's what going out in nature does for me. You know, and um, it, it's kind of um, in a way also, you know, I mean, I, I, I love that metaphor in, in, in that, that, that we use for that astrophotography in a way gives us, right? That, you know, we, we, are, we are with a camera, we can see things that we usually don't see with our naked eye. I mean, no, mm -hmm. we, we don't see the detail. We can see the Milky Way at night, but it just looks like a cloud. It mm -hmm. doesn't look like a, you, you cannot see the detail that you capture with a camera. So that's the kind of, you know, um, it, it humbles you. You know what I mean? Like you mm -hmm. realize that, that things are bigger out there and uh, they are, I, 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 it, it's a little bit like 
I, I feel like there is so much love in the indifference that the landscape or the universe has for you, you know, <laughs> because mm-hmm. somehow it, it, it has embraced you and, you know, evolution's brought us here. So it's like, we are so lucky. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's like we are so lucky and we just need to show appreciation for it. And I feel that when you are in that, um, in that mindset of gratitude, of realizing, shoot, this is so beautiful. You know, it's basically you're, you're, you're this is so beautiful I, and I am so lucky to be here to see it. I think that that brings you to a, to a level of grounding that, that is healthy. This side of grounding that you're talking about right now about, you know, who we are in the universe and what we actually look like to the rest of the universe, this vast expanse of space that I look, I got like a D in chemistry and biology. So you're like way above my head when you talk about like the makeup of biology, but this that we're talking about right now paired with your scientific understanding, number one, it is unique because I don't think a lot of people are able to bridge the gap between the two, but also does that give you a direct and an almost obvious connection to astro and night photography. Yeah, well, I mean, before th- there are two aspects there. So uh-huh. I feel that that you know we have the the philosophical aspect that you know I mean I think that it it, it is it, it I I came into science in in a, a a little I will say different way than most people do. Most people are. Uh, interested in uh, in nature and that's why they go you know through a, a career path in science you're just a curious person and you want to learn more about about nature but i was also fascinated my whole life uh about the philosophy of science hmm. so that 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 that's one aspect and the other aspect is the technical aspect right that, that um right when i was i wanted to start doing astrophotography i was coming and I want to—I wouldn't say fresh because I was like three years already working uh, in in GE Global Research, but a few years before I was doing um, single molecule spectroscopy and single molecule detection. That is basically you just, just look through a microscope, uh, look into basically molecules, so individual molecules, and when you look at molecules through the microscope, um, you are making making them fluoresce. And the way that they do this fluorescence, this fluorescent process, is that they blink. They look like basically stars in the night. And when I was in the lab, I was writing algorithms to better detect these single molecules. So you can put now uh, th- those two together, right? I mean, when I saw astrophotography, I was like, oh, you know, I might, this is a technical challenge um, that that I have seen before. So let me try to do it. So I kind of, you know, spend some time uh, trying to to do it, and then I realized that because it's basically it, it was a, just a different flavor of focus tacking what I was doing in in the lab and focus tag. I mean, by the time I mean we are talking about five years, five six years ago, focus tacking was already a well established thing in astrophotography. So I was trying to reinvent the wheel. But I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, it, it came natural to me because the technical aspect was like also appealing. You know, it was like, oh, this is cool. You know, I can I can probably get a good signal to noise ratios by applying some of the techniques that I know already. So and, and, and I mean, now 
we know that you know that battling noise in those night shots is one of the main things that we want to do. So there were there were the two. You know, I mean, I I loved all the the uh, philosophical and and the the kind of I mean, what what I mean, I'm modern science mostly. You know, that what what brings uh, it, it, it makes you look at the world in a slightly different way, where in, in a different way, because you have to admit that your senses are not good enough to understand reality around you. So mm-hmm. what, what, what we perceive as reality is just a tiny bit of the reality that, that we are, you know, uh, seeing. And so, so there was a combination of that and a combination of, okay, this is a cool technical challenge that I want to tackle. And but it, it was really funny because I I will say also that in the past couple of years my astrophotography has been transitioning too because I mean I I did you know for a very long time a main subject was uh, I I never photographed the moon too much but the main subject was really the the Milky Way you know mm-hmm. and and um, I kind of photographed the Milky Way you know all the flavors and that I could, <laughs> but I mean, at some point I did realize that my photos were looking very similar because I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it's the Milky Way at the end is, and, and you're composing for that subject. Right. Um, so, so I did start kind of um, realizing that I don't need, I mean, I still love night, nightlight and uh, nighttime and twilight photography. Um, and I still do it a lot, uh, but I mean, you won't see all the time the Milky Way included there. I mean, actually now, if I see that 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 I have a very high clouds at night, I that's the time that I want to go out. I mean, mm-hmm. but but thin clouds because I mean they make you know the the they make the um, the the stars uh, glitter and you know it brings a lot of stuff to to the to the nice sky. So I, I guess what I, what I realized is that to do astrophotography, I didn't need the Milky Way. And I've been kind of, you know, moving away from, from, from Milky Way mainly. Um, yeah. Hey guys, I just want to pause real quick to tell you about an opportunity right now. If you go to my website at davidjohnstonart.com, you can get 33% off all of my courses right now, whether that's on my website or on visualwilderness.com. If you go there, you can learn tips on how to improve your post-processing in various categories, as well as some information on how you can improve your panorama photography in the field. Again, that's davidjohnstonart.com for 33% off for a limited time if you use the code DAVID33 during checkout. Would you say landscape photographers are scientists in a sense? Uh, that's that's a pretty good question. I will say, oh, I, I, it's it's hard to say this without pissing off some people. So I will say that that, that they are mostly engineers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because you are you are not. I mean, even though you might be trying to do new stuff, uh, and and you might still, you know, um, try to explore new things to get uh, different results. What you are doing is basically not really. Um, like hardcore research where you're trying is to use the tool that you have in different ways. So mm-hmm. you're not trying to make 
just new tools. Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's a, it's a it's creative work, and a lot of I mean, a lot of good scientists are, or I will say, the best scientists are the creative ones, and the best engineers are the creative ones. So, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if I will say that that uh, it is science because I mean, it doesn't. We don't use the rigor of science. Actually, I think that's my escape, right? <laughs> so, so I don't have to be, you know, I don't have to be like. Uh, super rigorous with with my photography, um, um, but you know, I, I, there are parallelisms. You know, it, it is true there are some parallelisms because you are taking. Uh, you can think of when you are doing the photography that those are different experiments that you are trying to. Uh, for example, when you when you are taking photos of water and you're trying to do different things with with their shutter speed. I guess you're experimenting, but. There's no rigor in terms in terms of I mean you are not trying to prove a concept or anything like that. Well, the, the reason I thought of it was I was just while you were going through your your answer about you know grounding and, and connecting that with your scientific background, I was thinking about you know I have a degree in geography which I would categorize as an earth science, yeah. but I got a bachelor of arts degree with it. And now photography, you know, I consider it like an art. So if I got a degree in that, I would consider that more of a bachelor of art. So maybe it was just a random thought by me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it, it, it's a good one. I think that, the, the, I, I think that you just scared the heck out of me right now because you asked me if, if, if photography was science and I just like, no, that's work. <laughs> 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 and you know, I mean, I, I, I think that the, what 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 I want from science is a little bit different from what I want from from photography, right? I mean, mm. I want photography to reflect a little bit uh, who I am, mm. and I want I want science to reflect just a rational process of thinking about a problem. So, so I think that that that's the the, the, the it's it, it is hard. I mean, I, I again, we we can find many uh, parallels between between science and arts, and it, and I think that I mean there is something there because it is not a coincidence that a lot of um, scientists have some sort of artistic outlet, mm-hmm. and and a lot of yeah, I think that, that 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 cannot be a coincidence. Let me ask you this. I've seen, I follow you on, on Instagram. I've seen a lot of your recent posts incorporating ICM or intentional camera movement. Um, why bring that into the mix? And, and what kind of expressive outlet does that give you as a photographer? There you go. That You just use the perfect word, expressive. Mm. Um, and, and I think that, that that's really um, what it is. I mean, sometimes I am in the I, I am on the field and I am looking for. Uh, it is hard to explain, um, but basically, I mean, sometimes you are in front of something that is so um, beautiful. It's so it, you are connecting so much with it, and I, I'm realizing this more and more as I am, you know, um, looking for more. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it again smaller scenes, but it, I mean, basically that's what it is, right? I mean, I'm trying to connect 
with the landscape in a deeper level. So I, I guess what, what we're what I am trying to 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 convey now I lost my I totally lost my train of thoughts. This happens <laughs> when you get old, man. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I think that 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 if, well, where we were going with that? We were going with to expressive intentional expressive. camera movement. Yes, exactly. So so what what happens sometimes is that I, I am trying to connect to the to the and, and this is really how it this goes. I am looking for abstracts too because I love, you know, when you see something that that is typical and 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 then you realize like, wow, this is you you decontextualize it uh, because I mean sometimes when you zoom in in a small in you are in a big scene and you zoom in in a section, you are basically putting that section out of the context. For you, there is a context because you are making the photo, but you know that your viewer won't have that context. Your viewer is just looking at that small crop that you are taking off the scene. So sometimes it happens to me that I feel I, I feel there is something else that I want to bring out of that that scene, and that's how ICM started for me. I was like, I it usually, and and I am not. I right now I haven't been like you know I'm gonna go out and just shoot ICM. I haven't done that. What usually happens um, is that I am out. I am seeing, for example, a tree that is moving like crazy. Uh, that was actually one of the first posts that that, that I put on, on 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 Instagram, and I'm seeing the the tree moving, and I'm like, well, I can, I I will try. I mean, I remember the f- the first times I was just trying to 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 get the movement with a longer shutter speed, but I mean, it wasn't really aesthetically pleasing, right? So I'm I'm trying to explore that concept of movement and time. How do I compress time? in the in in the frame in the image so i started i mean i of course i have seen a plenty of awesome icm work so i was like well let me try to see how this works and man when i started seeing those shapes coming alive i was like i really love this i really love how i need to look a little bit harder to understand what's going on in the scene it it makes you stop and I love that. I love that. I mean, whatever makes me think a little bit more than I should, that I, I mean, I will always try to go for that. And I've been doing ICM for a little bit. It's just, I mean, for a little bit, like I will say, like for the past three years, at least on purpose, I have a bunch of ICM that are old, but that, those were old mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> those were not intentional. That, that shouldn't be called intentional camera movement. That was unintentional. <laughs> but I mean, I've been doing those for, uh, for a little bit. And it's also like my smaller scenes. Now, I mean, I, I, I have um, discussed this with some of my 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 colleagues, my, my, my photographer friends, that, you know, I mean, sometimes uh, in social media is the same, right? I am, I am not posting stuff for the likes, but I'm posting for the people that are my followers, right? I mean, I, I, I want them to see uh, the photography that they want to see. And I have my website where I put the, the work that I want you to see from my, you know what I mean? Like what I'm trying to bring to you. So, you know, that mm-hmm. I have more, um, um, I don't know, dimensions, I guess, uh, as, a, as a photographer than just the big scene or the astrophotography that, that is what, what a lot of people started following me for uh, a few years ago. But I kind of, you know, I decided that, that um, I don't know, that I just wanted to also share that for good or for bad. Uh, some it is not for everybody because I mean a lot of people just 
don't like you know the that they have to put a little bit more of effort to 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 feel and understand the photo other mm. people just don't see the aesthetic value and all of that is fine you know what i mean i mean it, it, it means something to me and i think that's uh, for me that's the part that is important uh, if people connect with it it's great if people don't doesn't connect with them well you know i mean there's there's a lot of uh, photography uh, out there that they might like better and even i mean and if they're following me it's because they they like my other stuff and that is absolutely fine but but yeah so that's why i brought it i i kind of share it i was like i was like you know it's about time that i also show people that i do this stuff um and and i mean you have no idea how many of of my friends made fun of me but it's all good <laughs> <laughs> because they when, were not they were not expecting that <laughs> when you're deciding on icm like how how are you deciding which movement to make is it relationship with the landscape and what's happening in front of you is it an emotional side to it too no that yeah both i will say both um there are there are scenes that i mean you're just looking at it and you're like wow the colors are just beautiful and i have for example if you are shooting on, on water and you are in a in a sun i mean and there is a sunset coming and there is some movement in the water you know those little waves at some mm -hmm. point they will carry the highlights and they're gonna they're gonna look orange and then the the shadows are gonna be colder because i mean they're you know they will have the blue tones of the of of, of the sky that is behind you know the one that is in front of you looking at the sun so when when you have something like that you can either you know move it a little bit so you get that kind of a uh, vibe depending what you want to to bring you know depending what 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 is your um, artistic statement right sometimes mm -hmm. i just want to show those colors because they are so freaking beautiful and i will just leave the camera on the on the tripod and move it you know vertically and you get those stripes of colors that are just amazing i love those i have so many of those the things that they are a little boring that's why i don't share them <laughs> <laughs> and but i mean for the ones that really move me are i mean for example when when they have people I don't have that many of those, but when they have people and, you know, and people kind of look ghostly in the landscape, it's like, you know, again, you know, bringing all those metaphors and um, our presence in the landscape and what are we doing there? It's, it's just, I, it really depends on what you're trying to convey, right? But, but there is a bunch of those. Sometimes I, I, I mean, you will see me like, it looks like I'm punching the air with a camera. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because I'm trying to, you know, get some sort of motion of movement in the, in the, the, from, from, a, usually I do that with uh, less complex subjects. For example, if I have the lonely tree, so then, then you can get something um, nice. I mean, in terms of, you know, how the tree, how you're moving the tree in your frame and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, mm -hmm. so, so there is a little bit of that combination of expressiveness and, and the, the story that you want to tell and what, and what is the aesthetic statement that, you, that you're trying to bring to the table. You're about to leave for Acadia National Park. What do you hope to see while you're there? It's a great question, you know, uh, <laughs> because I mean, you know, it's a little bit different than when I go to the Adirondacks. When I go to the Adirondacks, I kind of um, know I did. I it probably happens to you too that I have like a 
laundry list of shots in my head mm-hmm. that I want, you know, like I want the tree growing on the rock with certain light. So I will try to show up to that place because I, I know that, that I either have seen before the light and I didn't, uh, the, the, I just didn't compose it for the photo as it is or whatever. Um, or, you know, I mean, you, you always have this. I, when I travel, um, I, I mean, I mean, in Acadia, it's it's relatively local for me. It's an eight hours drive, but still, is is foreign to me. I, I that's not the landscape that I, that I'm used to. So, man, I try to let the landscape do the 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 talking. I am usually super. I mean, the last time I went to Acadia was super lucky. I got like a spectacular sunset, um, and but I mean, I I have been in most. I would say touristic, well-known spots. So what I want to do right now is, you know, go to some of these well-known spots and see what else I can find uh, in there. I am looking forward to spend more time in the Shkudek Peninsula because it's amazing. The last mm-hmm. time I, the last time I was there, I, I just couldn't believe it because I mean, most of the people spend time in in MDI, and it's beautiful there. I mean, there's so much to shoot. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. There, there is something that talked to me there. I, I think the, all those trees in the cliffs, and I was like, I have to come back here at least a couple of times. So I am looking forward to go there and see what's what's in store for me. <laughs> well, he's Manuel Palacios. Manuel, good luck this weekend on finding something to shoot. Thank you, brother, and thank you for having me over again. <laughs>